Hi, and welcome back to OA on Air, the official podcast of O'Neill & Associates. I'm Kyan Isaacson. This week, it's a Quincy takeover. That's right, we're talking the City of Presidents. First up, 321GO with Cosmo Macero. Then, an interview with Tim Cahill, president of the Quincy Chamber of Commerce. And in two minutes with Tom, we find out about Tom's impact on the City of Quincy. Let's talk about something important. Hello and welcome to 321 Go on OA On Air, our weekly look into the world of public affairs, culture, business, and the economy. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero. In this special Quincy edition of 321 Go, the city of Quincy is making a push to be designated as the most patriotic city in America. But in a state where all kinds of cities and towns have strong claims to colonial history, will the argument for Quincy stand up? We'll discuss. And we'll talk to food and hospitality expert Carrie Byrne about the flurry of activity on the Quincy dining, entertainment, and restaurant scene. Finally, Quincy's unofficial wildlife rescue cop has done it again. That's right, the same Quincy police officer who's rescued several injured owls and other forest creatures most recently saved an opossum. And he took a bunch of selfies to boot. We'll take a look. Joining me here on 321 Go is Kyanne Isaacson. Hello. The official voice of OA on Air. Kyanne, it's good to be here in this during this special all Quincy episode. All things Quincy. All things um, Quincy. Great actually, city. Great American city. I lived city. in Quincy for a year. You did. I did. A you while did. back. Did you feel patriotic? <laughs> Maybe. Did, I don't know. Let's just kick. Let's it just. Was a long time ago. I don't let's know just how kick I was it right into ago. gear. Let's just go right into our first topic: <laughs> legislation. Now, before the legislature in Massachusetts, uh, with an intent of essentially putting this before Congress, designating Quincy, Massachusetts, as the most patriotic city in America. What do you think, Cayenne? Is there is, is there a, it's a big it's big a big play. play. It's a big move. City of Presidents, where you know, where certainly John Adams, John Quincy Adams, where it all begins, but uh, what are you thinking? Uh, so it's House Bill 3193. It is currently before the Joint Committee of Veterans and Federal Affairs here at the Massachusetts state level. Essentially then kicks it to Congress to make this decision. I say if you feel like you've got it, why go not for go it. for it. It's a good conversation. Now, who comes out of the woodwork to sort of compete for that would be really interesting because I think there are a few cities that, that probably could, but they're not making the play for it. We've actually got a guest coming on, Carrie Byrne, who's, who's a significant uh, uh, figure behind this. He'll talk about it a little bit. But, you know, in Massachusetts, I mean, it's, it's a tough call. I mean, let's just start with Boston, right? city of Boston. Mm-hmm. And then... Other critical communities in colonial and revolutionary America, Lexington, Concord, you can make an argument for monotony, now known as Arlington, mm-hmm. all had a critical role in that Plymouth. period. Plymouth, where, I mean, talk. P-Town? Provincetown, Provincetown, where the pilgrims really landed. Yeah. Plymouth. So, and then. No shortage of patriotic options here in Massachusetts, which is something we should be very proud of as citizens. Agreed. I believe this initiative is designed to promote this debate, this conversation, which is a good thing and a fun thing, and, and just get things going to to further drive um, visibility around mm-hmm. the great city, indeed, the great city of Quincy. 
I'll, it is currently in play. It is an active bill in the legislature. They're doing it. It's in play. I'll, I'll just give a brief nod, uh, uh, or, or more than a brief nod, to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, certainly. And, and I guess other, uh, they have a critical role, and so maybe they get in the mix on this. Don't be bringing me somewhere in, I love Texas, but, you know, red state America. Wait a second. You know, we're the, we're the real, <laughs> the true patriots. I'm sorry. This is an original where the country was born kind of this conversation. Yes. So don't give me that. I think it's going to be fun to see how this goes. Indeed. So All good right. luck to Quincy and Quincy whomever the, else, I guess. Is Quincy the most patriotic city in America? We will s- hopefully find out at some point. Very kind. All right, up next we're talking to Kerry Byrne of KJB Trending Hospitality, also one of the best food and beer writers in America, also one of the most knowledgeable football analysts in America. Kerry Byrne, great to have you on OA on Air. Cosmo, it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, having me in to, to talk about a bunch of things. Excellent. Kai and I have been excited to have you in for our Quincy takeover. A yep. uh, lot of different ways to go with you on this because you also, I know, work with the city of Quincy on promoting all the great things happening there. But let's just start or zero in on nightlife culture, food, wine, beer, um, all of these things that make a dynamic city, lots happening in Quincy. Well, uh, Quincy Center specifically is, is Greater Boston's next hot dining destination, period. Uh, just since I've been working with the city in the last two years, we've had 17 new uh, restaurants and eating spots uh, open just in the last couple of years. Wow. we got three more coming. Uh, Crush Pizza, which is in downtown Boston. They're opening their second location, Quincy Center. Uh, a couple other spots we can't really announce yet, but they'll also be opening probably within the year. Uh, a place like Alba, which is a longtime landmark in Quincy Center, recently rebranded as Alba Prime Steak and Seafood, is opening one of Greater Boston's largest roof decks. It's being it's built a great as roof we deck. speak. It's a great, the great roof, deck roof deck in the past was only 1,200 square feet. The new one, 5,000 square feet. Oh, the uh, whole louvered, thing? A louvered ceiling over the bar, an uh, 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 upstairs garden, sushi bar, uh, fruit trees. It's going to be one of the biggest outdoor dining spots on all Greater Boston. So there's a lot of creative energy right now. And specifically, you know, with my background, which is why I wanted to work with the city of Quincy, specifically on the food side, because, you know, the whole gist of my business, KGB Trending Hospitality, is that great restaurants, great hospitality are essential to the image and the livability and the, and the value of any community. It's if you have nice, Cosmo, it's pretty simple. If you have nice restaurants, nice places to eat, People think you're a nice town. It's and true. And people want to be there. And they, they want to be there. there. They want to visit. They want to live there. Yeah. It, it's, it's a big part. It's a simple thing, really, eating out. But it's a big part of the experience of, yeah. you know, uh, in, enjoying your community, having a nice place to go to have dinner and a drink yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and plus, I, you know, listen, I've covered every, you know, I spent, you know, you and I worked at the Herald together. I spent uh, 25 years as a global food and travel writer. I covered every big not every big, but many big urban renewal stories all over the world, from, from the Docklands of East London to Williamsburg. And I was probably one of the first writers to write about Williamsburg and Brooklyn, which when I went there, you, like, you were afraid to get stabbed going to Brooklyn Brewery, for example. Now yep. it's one of the wealthiest, you know, uh, you know most uh, kind of prestigious communities in America. Uh, Davis Square in Somerville, when I started going there, they, as Rob Gregory from uh, Redbones, a great barbecue joint, said, there were tumbleweeds blowing through the streets of Davis sure. Square in the 1990s. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen all those stories, and I see what they do. And in every single case, the kind of the 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 uh, uh, the transformative moment, the catalytic moment 
for these communities was always hospitality, whether it be a great restaurant or a brewery or somebody who was doing something unique. So uh, Quincy was always a vibrant community, but it was for a while after kind of the the downfall that befell many old urban cores in New England in the 80s. Sure. Uh, it hadn't quite recaptured that, and now it's recapturing that, and it's doing it at a great level. You know, and, and you know, also thanks to the leadership of Mayor Koch, who's really seen the vision of what Quincy can be and when it lost its retail environment. There's so much development, not just the restaurants, but, you know, commercial, retail, residential development. But without restaurants, without hospitality, it doesn't matter. People want to feel like there are fun things to do. And then on top of that, the younger, younger than you and I, Cosmo, the younger generation eats out a lot more than we do. They want that. They're much more worldly in their food and drink choices. They're much more into that scene. So to, to be the next great uh, dining neighborhood in Greater Boston, which is what Quincy Center is, you need those elements. And I think we've really worked hard to bring those elements to, the, to, the, to Quincy Center. What a terrific sales job. Yeah. And, and, and 100%. 100% accurate. You know, we've talked about downtown. Cayenne and I talk about Marina Bay quite a yeah. bit. Also, right, things happening there, too. And, and Hey, can I tell you something about Marina Bay, okay? Uh, do you know the Frateroli's, the first family in the North End? Uh, the Frateroli's, Donato Frateroli was an immigrant from Italy, uh, came here to America in the 1970s, began washing dishes, I think, at like Cantina Italiana on Hanover Street, places in East Boston. Uh, he inv- he founded the Taste of the North End, okay, which is which just was held a couple weeks ago. One of the most successful food-centric fundraisers in America. Uh, I think it was in his 26th and 27th year. Governor Baker was there, Mayor Walsh was there, everybody was there. Anybody who's anybody was there at the Taste of the North End. Uh, he was past president of the Mass Restaurant Association. Not just him and his immediate family, his children, but his his, his brothers, his nephews, they own half the restaurants in the North End. I call them the first family of the North End. Uh, they recently invested in Marina Bay. They bought the old Captain Fishbones sure. in Marina Bay. Last year they rebranded Victory Point. This year uh, they, they got some great events coming up. They just opened a new private dining room. They're right there on the boardwalk. There's a lot of cool creative energy going there on, in Marina Bay as well. So, And the thing is, why I mentioned the Frateroli's, this is literally one of the two or three biggest restaurant families in New England, and they're investing in Quincy. Yeah, that's great. We're talking to Carrie Byrne, KJB Trending Hospitality, about Quincy, the Quincy taker, Cayenne. What are your thoughts on downtown Quincy and experiencing, you love to go out to eat. You love a good good night out, and and, and Quincy has a lot of options. Do love a good night out. I haven't been to Alba in years, but I do remember their roof deck was amazing. My friend had her 30th birthday party there. But I don't remember there being a lot there. I can't, but I haven't been there in a while. Like I said, 17 new restaurants. I remember when Alba was yeah. like basically it. I mean, we're talking, uh, let me mention. You had the Fours and Alba. Yeah. So, and the Fours is a landmark <laughs> yeah, you Boston brand. Yeah, never go wrong right? with and the And there's fours. only three of them. There's downtown. Who's the, hot, who's the hottest restaurant person in, in, in Quincy? Is it Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Liang? Or? So, Jimmy Liang is super hot. I do a lot of work with Jimmy Liang. We just taped a spot for NBC Boston for him. We got some big stuff we're working on on for him. Jimmy Liang is, a, a, one of the cool background stories is it's, Quincy is probably the oldest, it's one of the oldest, it's certainly the most patriotic city in America, it's this old historic American city, the city of presence, but it's really immigrants spurring this revival. Leo Keiko from Alba, an immigrant from Albania, uh, I, I can't list them all, but Jimmy Liang was born in China, came to America as a kid, he now owns one of the biggest you know, restaurant groups, one of the most exciting restaurant groups in, in, in Greater Boston, J.P. Fuji Group. All the hot neighborhoods have a Fuji, Assembly Row, Ink Block, the old Herald, right? Yep. Uh, uh, Kendall Square, Quincy Center, and it's, he's a Quincy kid. It's a, it's a Quincy-based business. And uh, this guy 
cooks beautiful food, has beautiful restaurants. And a guy like him opening a restaurant in Quincy is really kind of central to his revival. And by the way, it's a restaurant so beautiful, it looks like it belongs in Manhattan. And that's no BS. It, his Fuji at WOC, Fuji at Western Chestnut, I'm looks like it belongs in Manhattan. And beautiful, beautiful food. And then he still does stuff like he's hosting a fundraiser this weekend for the North Quincy basketball team. This guy is going to be a big-time star. He's already kind of quietly a star, but he's, his, his celebrity is about to pop. And he still doesn't forget that he's a Quincy kid at heart. Like I said, he was born in China. His Boston accent's worse than mine, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but it's That's great. Funny. But he's such a uh, such a cool guy, and he's got great people working for him. And uh, and you know has a very successful business. But there are so many. That's just one of the seventeen restaurants that have opened. I can't even name them all. Shaking Crab, which is now an international chain of like Asian Cajun eateries. Their first was in Newton. Their second was in Quincy Center. They opened a couple years ago. Uh, the Townsend, which is. Uh, all kind of all kinds of big time Boston cocktail guys that work at places like Drink. They work for Barbara Lynch. They work for Garrett Harker. The Townsend is when foodie people come to Quincy. That's one of the places they go. Yeah. And you, when you go in there, there's chefs from Boston, cocktail guys from Boston. Sixteen uh, C. Carrie Lynch Delaney, who was a pastry chef at Barbara Lynch's Number Nine Park when Number Nine Park was the it restaurant twenty years ago. Still a great restaurant. Uh, she's also Barbara Lynch's niece, but Barbara Lynch who a couple years ago was named uh, James Beard Restaurateur of the Year, she helped develop the menu at 16C. Okay, so we're talking legit big-time food stuff going on in Quincy. This isn't just, hey, wow, there's another new, uh, you know, Irish bar. No offense, I love Irish bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still some great old Irish bars. (laughs) Sure, but there's creativity. Patty Barry, just like that. Creativity, diversity. Creativity, diversity, a variety of price points, styles, cuisines. Quincy Center has it all right now. That's great. Hey, look, in closing out, I know that you're behind some legislation that would um, have Congress identify, designate, declare Quincy, Massachusetts as the most patriotic city in America. Tell us more about that. Well, before, when I was still at the Herald, I was I worked with uh, a friend of mine, Bruce Sears, who's a uh, state rep, first Norfolk district, Quincy. It's like Quincy North Quincy Randolph is his district. And we followed a piece of legislation declaring Quincy the most patriotic city in America. We just had a second hearing at the state house before committee uh, a couple of days ago. We've got a very we've got a very warm reception. Uh, I think, and the point is, it's not just what's singling out Quincy. It's a, it's another it's a, it's good for everyone who lives, works, does business in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. It's another reason for people to come visit the state of Massachusetts. Sure. They may know Let- yep. Salem, they may know Lexington, they may know Plymouth, they may know the Freedom Trail, but they don't really. Quincy's still kind of under the radar screen. We also have another project we're working on: the President's Trail, a Freedom Trail for Quincy. Connecting all the historic sites tied to John Hancock, John Adams, John Quincy That'd be great. Adams. So, uh, but uh, we hope to get a vote on it at the state house to declare Quincy the most patriotic city in America. Would it have any official weight? Not really, but I think it's recognition that Quincy, for a city of a hundred thousand people, has played an undue role in the in the foundation of the United States of America. All right. Great. Kerry Byrne, thanks so much for joining us in this special Quincy episode. Uh, and love to have you back again. Hope you'll come back. All right, finally, Cayenne. So we're talking about Quincy. We've got to talk about this Quincy police officer. His name is Tim Kayas, Officer Tim Kayas. Um, Look, it's a big job being a police officer, city of Quincy. Not a small thing. Nope. So in addition to patrolling and all of his regular duties, guy just so happens to be Johnny on the spot uh, wildlife rescue officer, mm-hmm. right? When the animal control department's not around, Officer Kayas moves in. 
He has rescued multiple owls and other wildlife and forest creatures. I don't know a lot about the animal kingdom. I'm just going to tell you right now. I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the animal kingdom. I am. A, a, I, I don't know a lot about wildlife. No, I know. I know about Same. other. I know about other stuff. Don't know a lot about it. For instance, an opossum. Tiny, tiny pl- possum. It's a tiny. It's a tiny possum. <laughs> At least this one is. All right, Tim Kaus. The guy's got. A situation on his hand where he encounters a opossum at risk, and he rescues this thing just last, just just the other day, and it's, brings it, it home. Brings it home. Took a ton of really, really fun. I just gotta say it. Cute selfies with There's the opossum. There's no other word. He's there got some a... cute opossum selfies, <laughs> uh, and, and it would be just kind of a one-off story, except. This is kind of his side hustle. I don't think he gets paid for it. It's just kind of his thing. Just does it out of kindness. Just does it out of the, you know, he's the, he's the wildlife Good rescue officer in Quincy. So I have to take us on a slight tangent here. We saw this story on Mass Live, and hats off to the reporter, Kristen Lafrata. I apologize if I'm pr- pronouncing that incorrectly, who opened it with Quincy police officer Tim Kayes conducted a mission, quote, impossible. Impossible. Impos- you- Impossible. Hats off on the pun. I love a good pun. Such a good pun. It's a great opener. Um, and then to go one step forward with the puns, he named the dog, the the animal, Stone Cold Steve Opossum. Perfect. <laughs> After the professional wrestler. After yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Yeah. So yeah. just. Self, puns too. Puns, selfies, it's all in there. It's a great everyone look, everyone loves an animal story. They do. You don't need to know about the animal kingdom or what a possum is versus an opossum. You don't. People like cute, furry, fuzzy animals. City of Quincy, you got police officers protecting to serve and to rescue wildlife. It's pretty good. There you go. That's off. All right, Cayenne. That's it for 321Go. Up next, an interview with Quincy Chamber of Commerce President Tim Cahill. All right, we're joined next by Tim Cahill, who's the President and Executive Director of the Quincy Chamber of Commerce, also the creator and host of Profiles in the American Dream podcast. Tim, it's great to have you. Thanks, Cosmo. Thanks. For great, great to be here. It is. Uh, um, it's, great, it's great to have you. So let's talk about Quincy um, and, and sort of in, in general, how the chamber interacts with the city, what your role is in terms of uh, promoting business and economic development, and maybe what are some of the big things happening in the city of Quincy right now? Yeah, we, we probably don't have enough time to talk about all the big things that happen in Quincy, which is yep, really one good. of the most, um, you know, one of the more interesting things that drew me to the position um, is, the, you know, the, the, the dynamic change that's happening in Quincy. It's getting younger, more millennials moving in finally taking advantage of all those train stations, those public transportation opportunities, a lot of new housing coming in. And we're in the process of sort of redefining and uh, reorganizing, redeveloping our downtown, which is um, really the one sort of black eye that Quincy's had um, in the last maybe 30 years, a lot of attempts. uh, But under Mayor Koch's administration, uh, we're making great progress with uh, new retail as well as commercial buildings and then taking some of the historic older buildings and not tying it all together. Yeah. yeah there really has been progress. There's new residential option, options near near downtown that's driving sort of activity. Um, what what phase would you describe the city in? Is, are you still early uh, in, in sort of this, 
this uh, new birth, or, 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 or are you moving past? I, I the think early we're stages? we're sort of in the middle. Yeah. There's still some grit around the edges. There's still some quirky, as we talk about it, some quirky aspects of downtown, which I hope don't really change. Yeah, uh, Quincy's always been a blue collar city. It's sure. it is changing. But I don't think it has to turn into a Manhattan or even, you know, a, a seaport um, where there's just all new buildings everywhere. I, we'd like to see it sort of like the North End maybe or, or even like this part of downtown Boston where you've got new and old. We keep the history, but we're building on some of the, you know, tearing down some of the older buildings. Uh, we've got a, a big project coming up um, by Fox Rock Developers, which is the real estate arm of Rob Hale's empire, yep. business empire. He's a big player in the city, Quincy, big employer, um, and he's committed a lot of capital for some um, some dramatic changes to the downtown, which includes bringing um, healthcare hospitals, both South Shore Hospital and Brigham and Women's. So the Boston Hospital, as well as the South Shore Hospital, because Quincy's really, I believe, we're the only city in Massachusetts that doesn't have its own hospital because it closed ten years ago. Sure. So Rob is and his team is sort of bringing health care. Not a full center, not yeah. yeah, not not a full scale hospital, but sort of the medicine of the future. Yeah. Which is exciting about Quincy. So again, sort of taking the old and the you know, the historical obviously and preserving that. Um, adding the new the mayor just unveiled uh, the city unveiled a fantastic um, common area right in front of City Hall. It's almost like the Greenway, a smaller version of the Greenway with statues of John Hancock and John Adams, really tying the history together. I was on it today. It was a beautiful day out there finally. And, uh, you know, people walking through the square that, you know, sitting down, having lunch on park benches. It's a beautiful space. And it's really become a sort of a gathering spot and a jumping off spot The where the private developers know the city is investing significant money, maybe it's a good time for us to invest as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in different municipalities and different cities, chambers of commerce have sort of different roles. In some case, they're purely a networking vehicle or opportunity. In some, they're more activists. In some, they're very sleepy. Uh, you know, I had the great, uh, the, 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 the benefit or the, the pleasure to attend one of your events recently. Tremendously dynamic uh, uh, group of people committed to growing business in Quincy. What's the role of the Quincy Chamber from your perspective as its, as its leader? Well, you know, we're trying to redefine that. Chambers in general are, are sort of historic anomalies. You know, the, the industry has more gone into specificity. They're, you know, the biotech council and the builders and trade, you know, the more specific kinds of trades organizations, whereas chambers have been um, sort of generic and, and kind of all things to all people. And what we're finding with, especially with millennials, is, is they want activity, they want, like I said, dynamic presentations. They want to bring in new speakers. They don't want the same old chamber. Um, chambers won't be around 20 years from now unless they adapt and move into the new generation. So like we often say, back in the day when I was starting a business, you needed a chamber to network. Yep. Now these folks have social media. They have Facebook. They have LinkedIn. They don't need us for that as much, but they still do need to meet each other and be in scenarios where they might learn something. So we try to fill that gap between sort of the social media, impersonal kind of networking and what you can do on hand as well. And we also try to, I also try to play a role, given my political background, of being a mediator, you know, with developers who are looking for um, sort of some knowledge of what's going on in the city, maybe some assistance and help. And they range from the big developers down to the small mom and pop coffee shops. So, and I try to bring both my political and my business background to this role uh, and like you said, make it dynamic, make it a place where people want to be part of and want to be seen at. 
um, because then we can provide a bigger role and play a more important part. But we see people from all different aspects starting a, a language school, like I said, uh, a cafe, a bagel, a bagel shop, up to people who are starting, you know, who are moving to Quincy in the biotech field. So we're trying to attract those industries that will then spawn bigger and bigger and more of the service type organizations that find Quincy, you know, a good place to live, a good place to work, um, and, you know, sort of a convenient home, an urban, an urban enough environment, yep. but not as noisy and crowded as Boston. Sure, sure. All the good things about that urban lifestyle without, some, without the clutter. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I mean, we have 27 miles of coastline. We have the Blue Hills. You can park in your driveway. There's some green, a lot of green space. Like I said, the city is embarking on some new parks um, to sort of tie it all together. Um, so I, I find it to be invigorating to be there. I mean, I've been there my whole <coughs> life, but sure. it's almost like a new city, and, and I like that part of it. That's great. So the, the, the chamber does a lot to support business and small business growth, and you as an individual do the same. Um, I mentioned in the opening, Profiles in the American Dream, your terrific podcast, which I'm a big fan of, and really harkens back to um, a, a, a project you did early in your career and in mm-hmm. writing a book of that name about certain entrepreneurs. Now you've carried it into this podcast. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the idea years ago, and I was in business myself, and, and the, the sort of the thought process is how do small business become big businesses? How, how does it happen? How do you get from one store to a 1,000 stores? I couldn't crack that egg myself personally with my store, but I so I started to do some research on folks who had and really fascinating stories, you know, of the founding of Dunkin' Donuts and Howard Johnson's and, you know, entrepreneurs who figured it out uh, from the ground up. And so I said, if I can't do it, I want to write about it. Uh, Quincy's got a great history, like it almost rivals what we have in terms of a government history with the Adamses and the Hancocks when you have the Johnsons and the Rosenbergs and the Watsons and Peter O'Connell and people like that. So I was lucky enough to interview some of those folks, including Bill Rosenberg, uh, the founder of Dunkin' Donuts, and um, and build this book around sort of that American dream of owning your own business, developing uh, something from nothing, and most of all, fighting through the adversity that opening your own business brings uh, a lot of people fail because they just don't see their projects all the way through, um, and they give up too often. So this story is, you know, it's a how-to about business, but also a little bit of an inspiration. And uh, as I was saying earlier, what I'm thinking of doing, this is the 25th anniversary of the publishing of the book this year, and what I'd like to do is reissue the book mm-hmm. and maybe add some new entrepreneurs to sort of show the new Quincy as opposed to the old Quincy and bring it up to date because the book really ends in 19 in the 1980s I wrote it in 95 I'd like to bring it up to speed now and I've got a couple more entrepreneurs that are in the chamber who I've interviewed on the show that I'd like to add and then reissue the book hopefully in uh, late this year early next year so uh, I think the the idea that um, capitalism is dead and socialism's on the rise um, is wrong Um, a little full-headed and, and not America. So I, I want to continue to sort of focus on the, the smaller players who someday become big and do fantastic things. That's terrific. And the, and the podcast, uh, terrific interviews available on all your platforms, yep, iTunes. iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fun series. I mean, when I, when I started doing The Chamber, they, they asked me if I wanted to do a radio show. 
and interview um, folks in the chamber. And I said, sure, do a little radio show. I've done some radio in the past. Um, but what, what it really excited me was turning it into a podcast um, so people could listen to it all the time because the radio was like 7 o'clock on a Sunday, Saturday morning. Sure. So the podcast is great because it, it sits out there and, and we can add to it. It's so like we're going to start. Like on-demand radio. Yeah, right? yes. and we're going to add some of those stories as we go forward and really try to build out the brand of uh, not just local but stories that are interesting. I mean, there are, as you know, there are hundreds of podcasts about business and yeah. how to and how did you start this. Very famous people but also less famous. I like to try to get the people before they become famous, if that's possible, you know, knowing that someday they might be more well-known as Grossman and Johnson were back in the day. Terrific. We're talking to Tim Cahill, who's president and executive director of the Quincy Chamber of Commerce. Tim, you, re- you reference your political background. We'll just let, Let's just close with that. Looking back, your career, um, treasurer and receiver general, probably, I was a political reporter at the time, probably one of the best, most exciting, interesting campaigns and, and, and terrific work you did. Look back, legacy as treasurer and just you know, other pieces of p- political career. What do you feel like you left behind? And I, and I can tell you from my own experience uh, in the years since, an important piece of the, of the legacy you left behind with the treasury. But Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the journey. Um, yeah. The journey started out at the local level as a city councilor, moved up to the county level, then was lucky enough to become state treasurer at one point and even run for governor. So how many people get to do all those things? Um, as far as a legacy, I mean, it's probably not for me to say, but what, what I'm most proud of is, is the school building program that we um, redefined and redeveloped and, and saved, basically, from the bankruptcy scrap heap uh, back in the Romney days. Indeed. Um, and um, every time I go by a new school, we've got a number of them in Quincy, um, but all around the state, it, it makes me feel good that that school wouldn't have been there if we hadn't saved this program. So. I like to think about the good things that government can do uh, as opposed to the stuff we read about all the time, which is usually the bad things that government does or the controversial stuff. Uh, this was controversial in its day, but it's worked out really well. And, um, and I always enjoyed sort of getting things done. Uh, that's what Paul and, and doing it, you know, figuring out how to get it done. So politics, government side, the politics side really attracted me. Um, and it's the same way in business. You know, you, you've got a sort of a goal. Uh, you want to reach here. How do I get there? Um, and then what do I have to do to, to sustain it? Um, so it's, uh, the journey's not over. Actually, the, the chamber job is a nice combination of my former business background with the political background. I get to do what I like to do. And most of all, what I found when I left government and left politics um, back in the early part of this decade is that what I missed is helping people, um, especially people who need some assistance or maybe just some motivation. So I was often able to do that in a political sphere. And I found that in the chamber, um, it happens all the time. People come to me and say, you know, how do I get this business off the ground? Or I'm losing my location. What can you do to help me? And uh, some people just sometimes just want to, to have someone listen to them. And, you know, it may have nothing to do with us at all. So it really makes me feel like I have a purpose, you know, which is really nice as you get older and stuff. Uh, maybe not as grandiose a purpose, but it all adds up. It all adds up in the end of the day. And, and I'm seeing it in Quincy. And if we can do it in Quincy, you can do it anywhere. There's, there's no reason for these cities and towns to age and, and sort of die and, and decay when you've got opportunities, especially entrepreneurial opportunities. And that's the key. You know, government being creative um, and then giving wide berth to the entrepreneurs and just creating that environment where people will see 
a desolate area and put in a coffee shop or a brewery. And the next thing you know, you've got, you know, Brooklyn. Yeah. Or you've got Quincy or you've got Fort Point. And, you know, that to me is what's exciting and that's what keeps me going and gets me up every morning. Excellent. Great words from Tim Cahill. Tim, thanks so much for joining us on OA On Air. Thank you, Cosmos. Nice to be here. All right. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of 321 Go. Our program is recorded in Studio 108, just off the historic Tip O'Neill Room, at our building in the heart of a government center, Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks for listening. Goodbye till next time. I'm Cosmo Macero. And now, two minutes with Tom. Hi, Cayenne. Hi, Tom. Number 48. 48. Lucky 48. 48th time we've come together to do this. It's terrific. Yes. Yeah. Does it feel like it's been 48 times? It, it, no. Actually, it doesn't. Because time flies when you're having fun? Uh, two minutes with Tom is now, you know, four and a half, five and a half, six and a half minutes, and it's, it flies by. Even more fun. Today, the subject is... Quincy. We're doing a Quincy takeover this uh, week. The City of Presidents. City of Presidents, because apparently you did know this, two U.S. presidents were born in right. Quincy. Adams and Quincy Adams. I feel like I did know that. Of course you knew but it. But maybe I forgot. Of course you knew it. That's what it was. Yeah. And you know who was born right next door? What I president? Do know. No. You should do. I told you. <laughs> I was playing along. Uh, George, in Milton. In George H.W. Bush there was born are. in Milton. There you are. There you are. Do we know why he was born? Like, was his family originally from You know who was Milton? born in Brookline? Nope. What president? Nope. You should do. I, I really, you were going to make me sound John really Kennedy. dumb. Oh, yeah, no, I knew that. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I'm not this dumb. No, you're great, actually. <laughs> so, But it's Quincy we're talking about. It's Quincy. Yep. Interesting past, long. I mean, it's an amazing It's an amazing place right outside the city. Got beaches, too. Some, some great food. Good seafood. Great seafood. Great beaches. Wonderful, wonderful housing stock. Uh, a great downtown. And uh, all kinds of transportation to get in and out of there, and it's pretty good. A nice place to live. I think there are three red line stops in Quincy, if I remember correctly. Are there? Yeah, maybe four, but at least three. There's yeah, a lot. I thought there. I thought there was. I don't know. It was my bill that actually put them there with Bonnie Frank. A long time ago. That put the train stations there. Put the train stations there to expand the red line from De- Savin Hill and Dorchester to Quincy, uh, and to expand it from Harvard Square to Elwife. Really? Yep. That was a long time ago. Nineteen seventy-two, three. That's and a it fun took fact. that place for about 15 or 18 years. Huh. Anyway. It made a huge difference. made a huge difference, as, as it has in Cambridge and Somerville, and for traffic uh, along Route 2 corridor. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Congratulations. It's just one of those little-known facts. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what other little-known facts do you have for me about Quincy? And you asked me for a, for a story. I went in to meet the mayor of Quincy when I was running for lieutenant governor, and it was just to go around City Hall and meet all the employees there. Shake um, hands. And shake hands, yep, and introduce myself as a candidate for lieutenant governor. Walter Hannon was the mayor, the Republican mayor of the city of Quincy, and a, a good guy, well met. I mean, he was just first well met. He had a wonderful he had a wonderful personality and sense of humor. And he, you know, but I, I said to him, look, I'm just here to shake your hand. Thank you for the opportunity to go around City Hall and meet people. And... Um, I said, but I want to respect the fact that you're a Republican. I assume you'll be with the Republican 
candidates. And he said, uh, where are you going? I, I said, what are you talking about? He said, we're with you. <laughs> you, you are? Fun surprise. He said, no. I, he said, we've already, uh, you know, we've already talked about it, all of my folks and, and I, and we know you're going to win, which is really why we're going to be with you. But uh, he, he was guy. terrific. And no, he was fun. And Walter, Walter was a great leader in that city as, as well. He also was instrumental for providing the leadership to get granite links to be built out in the quarries uh, of, of Quincy. Beautiful golf You know, golf that beautiful course. golf course, yeah. My brother-in-law is getting married there next really? year. Really? Yeah. Well, it is a beautiful golf course because it probably has the best vantage of looking back into the city of Boston of anything in the it's way pretty, of a suburb around pretty Boston. Pretty remarkable. It is great. Yeah. It's great. Well, good. Huh. That's great. Thank Walter Hannon if you see him. Oh, I will. <laughs> okay. Now he's on the list. Thanks, guys. Thanks. That's it for our Quincy Takeover episode of OA on Air. Now that you've heard all about it, go visit. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever your favorite listening platform may be. Or on our own O'Neill & Associates website. Talk to you next week. Thank you.